certainly we'd like to invite or excuse me and welcome um, all who are attending this lesson via this platform um, through Facebook and YouTube and the various channels of media that God has blessed us to to use to the advantage of the gospel and the edification of the church and the spreading of the truth. Um, but we do invite um, all of those who who are um, listening and watching to invite others um, to listen and watching uh, listen and watch to the various lessons that um, that are are presented um, through digital Bible study. Um, um, Connect Gospel Meeting um, and and all of the the different branches and and works that 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 Jonathan and Eric are are involved with with this platform and we we certainly pray for them and thank God for them and their labors but um, again it's always good to be a part of this this um, um, this platform and, and this event um, you know Jonathan and Eric I, you know they they call on me maybe when when they don't have anybody else so um, so you guys have the you have to suffer through my lesson for this evening. Um, but uh, but if you have your copy of God's word, we will call your attention to Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 um, and following. I, I, will, I will read this passage as we begin the lesson for this evening. But Jesus is preaching to the multitude um, here, and he, he gets to verse 25, and he says, um, and at that time, the Bible, Matthew records for us, that at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomever the Son will reveal him. Verse number 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you ever attended an event that was by invitation only? It's by invitation only. That means that only those who have been invited may attend. And very often this may require an RSVP uh, uh, to reserve your spot or to, to call in your reservation or to make known that you will in fact be there. Um, these are considered exclusive events. Um, we hear of these type of events uh, in, in the areas of, of, of celebrity and, and politician and uh, those who have high social status. Um, they're able to conduct and also attend these exclusive events. And when you define exclusive, it simply means restricted or limited to a person, a group, or a specific area of concern. And so when when you have, or when we when we consider having an exclusive event, then that it, that immediately it means and it it effectively means and it must mean that that someone has to be excluded. Right, it doesn't include everyone. If it's exclusive, then there mean that means that someone has to be excluded. And so this world, by nature, being anti-Christ and anti-God, this world by nature excludes. That's what it does. Um, this world excludes um, based on parameters that God doesn't use to exclude, because um, heaven we know will be excluded 
right? It was it will be for a select group, those who have been obedient to the gospel. But the world, uh, in con in contrary to to how God excludes, the world excludes based on on race and based on gender and based on religion and based on wealth and socioeconomic status and social power and fame and fortune and all of these these various factors and and variants the the world will exclude but when we consider Jesus Christ here in Matthew chapter 11 as Matthew records for us as Jesus teaches the multitude Matthew records for us that Jesus extends an all-inclusive invitation. So Jesus is not concerned about our our gender or our race or our fame or our wealth or our socioeconomic status or or our social power. Jesus none of that excludes us from the invitation that that he extends. His invitation is all-inclusive. And I want to notice three points uh, as as is uh, my custom uh, to give you three points and to hopefully um, conclude the lesson. Um, but I want to leave you with three points or notice three points um, from this passage of scripture. As we start in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are of heavy laden. The first question that we want to address is the question, who does Jesus invite? Who does Jesus include? Well, Jesus includes all, all. This is all encompassing. All means all, right? It, it, it includes everyone and excludes no one. Jesus gives an all-inclusive invitation. The invitation is to all those who labor and are of heavy laden. When you translate the term laden, in the original text, the word really is defined as weighed down. So Jesus invites all those who are burdened with the labor and the weight of something. They're labored with, with a particular thing or they're labored by a particular thing or they're carrying a particular burden or they're under a particular weight. And the question would be this, what is that weight? What is the weight that Jesus wants to relieve of those whom he invite? What, what is the labor? What is the weight? What is the laden that Jesus wants to relieve? Well, obviously, it's the labor and the laden of sin. Jesus wants to relieve those whom he invites with his all-inclusive invitation. He wants to relieve them from the labor and the laden and the weight of sin. And friends, I would have you know that the labor of sin weighs heavy. Paul calls it a work. Sin is a work, but it's not a good work. It's not a righteous work. It's not the work, Ephesians 2.10, that Jesus calls us into. It's not the good work that God had foreordained us to walk in, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It is not the work, Philippians uh, chapter 1, that we have that that uh that we are called into. Sin is a work of, Paul says, the flesh. If you notice Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, Paul says this, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, 
uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Notice how heavy that must be to carry that load of sin and anything that's like it. Paul called it a work of the flesh, a labor of the flesh. Jesus calls us out of that. He wants us, he wants to release us from carrying all of those things, from bearing under the burden of all of those things. Now, while man believes at times that he is exempt from God's divine judgment and divine law, what man fails to realize is that these things weigh heavy on his soul. The weight of sin is heavy on man's soul. That's why the Hebrews writer would say in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Notice that the Hebrews writer makes reference to a race. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And those who have 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 been in the military, those who have been in any branch of service, and God bless you if you have. We appreciate you for your service. Um, we thank God for you. But those who have who have been in any branch of the military and who have gone through boot camp and have have had to train in 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 backpacks or or weighted vests or things of that nature, you know what it's like to have to add additional weight to your body and then exert of this exuberant amount of energy. Can you imagine what it must feel like to, to, to try to play basketball, try to play a basketball game or try to run a marathon? Let's, let's make reference back to, uh, let's refer back to what the Hebrews writer says, run the race. Can you imagine having a, a, a backpack full of bricks and, and the number of bricks in the backpack are the number of the works of the flesh listed in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Can you imagine filling a backpack full of bricks that, that number the number of the works of the flesh and running a marathon? Can you imagine that? Sin weighs heavy. And Jesus wants to release us from it. Because sin as a work enslaves man. Jesus said in John 8, 34, whosoever committed sin is a slave of sin, is a servant to sin. He serves sin. Paul said this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are you to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, as, as a human being, as a creation of God, we're going to be a servant to someone, whether or not we believe it, whether or not we know it, whether or not we agree with it. We're not just going to be able to go on our merry way and not serve someone. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve sin. And we know the father of sin is the devil. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve the devil. When we are laden 
under sin and we are heavy burdened with sin and we are are are, are laboring under sin friends we are slaves to it and we belong to the devil and Jesus wants to release us from those things that that so often burden us sin sin doesn't provide peace sin has never brought peace Sin always promises that which it can never deliver. You ever noticed in, in Matthew chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, as Jesus is taken into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasted there, and he was led to the wilderness by the Spirit? You recall that Satan tried to promise him things that he couldn't give him. He tried to give Jesus things he already owned. Sin always promises that which it can never deliver. Sin doesn't provide peace. In Isaiah 48, 22, as Isaiah is, is, is giving Judah, because at this time, uh, Israel, the 10 northern tribes, had already gone into captivity to Assyria. And so now Isaiah is preaching prophetically. He is foretelling uh, Babylon. And he's warning them about Babylon and the impending uh, uh, doom and the impending danger and their Im impending uh, slavery, their bondage that's going to come at the hand of, uh, of, of, of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And Isaiah tells them, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. Peace only lies in jesus christ he alone if you notice notice our lesson text for this evening i want you to notice the personal pronouns that jesus christ uses he says come unto me acts acts 4 and 12 there is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved there is not another name Jesus and Jesus alone. He says, come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden. And I, only I, only Jesus can do it will give you rest. Take my, my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is the only one who can give us the peace and the release from the bondage of sin that so heavily weighs us down. The invitation is extended at all, friends. He extends the invitation to all. all. All need Christ. Contrary to popular belief, all need Christ. Romans 3.23. All have sinned. Jesus said, come unto me, all. Paul said, all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So the first question we ask when we're, as we consider this all-inclusive invitation is who does Jesus invite? He invites all. He invites any and everyone who has ever committed one sin. The invitation is not discriminatory. 
Jesus does not discriminate. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, all receive the invitation. This invitation is not just specific to the alien sinner. This invitation is, is, is also to, to the Christian who has fallen short of their way. Who does Jesus invite? He invites all, all who labor and all who are weighed down. Secondly, what does Jesus offer? Jesus invites, but the question then now is what does Jesus offer? Considering our lesson text in verse number 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does Jesus offer? Jesus offers rest for the weary soul. That's what he offers. Jesus doesn't offer fame. He doesn't offer wealth. He doesn't offer perfect health. He doesn't offer immunity from the from the trials, the tribulations, and the, the troubles of this world. He, he, he never promised us that. He never promised us immunity from the world. However, what he did promise us is that through faithful obedience, our souls would be protected. He offers rest for the weary. A sinful life is hard, isn't it? A sinful life is hard. Solomon said in Proverbs 13 to 15, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Contrast what, so what Solomon says in Proverbs 13, 15. Contrast that with what Jesus says. Jesus said, take my yoke. It's still a yoke. It's still a yoke. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, contrasted with the yoke and burden of sin. Remember, Jesus said, whatever you, whoever you serve, who, 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 and actually he says it in Matthew chapter six, in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is talking about treasures in verses 19 and following, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, that's who you serve. If our treasure and our and we value sin, then that's what we'll serve. And that's what Jesus said in John 8, 34. He said, whosoever committed sin, uh, whosoever committed sin um, is a servant of sin. Paul said, know you not to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants are you to whom you obey. The sinful life is a hard life. It's a yoke of heaviness and a yoke of, of burden. And Jesus wants to, desires to, and can release us from it. Solomon said, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. It, it's interesting that, that when people consider becoming Christians or, or giving up the life of sin, they, they feel like they're going to miss something. I think they're going to miss out on something. But if they truly are converted and they truly give themselves to Jesus, they will experience a release of bondage and of guilt 
and of anxiety and of worry and of depression that only God can deliver from. You remember what Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Solomon said that God would make everything beautiful in his time. And he set the world in their hearts that no man can figure out the works that God maketh from beginning to end. You know what Solomon says there? He says that God set the world in their hearts. The word world there translates eternity. God set, you ever wonder why? Have you ever wondered why from the beginning of time, even to the very present moment, man has always sought to worship someone or something, even if it's an animal or himself? You ever wonder why man just, you ever wonder why man had this innate desire to seek something outside of himself? You ever wonder why? Ecclesiastes 3.11, because God put it there. God, God put a God-shaped hole in our souls. And he is the only one that can fill it. But people often try to fill it with drugs and alcohol and, and abusive relationships and immorality and uh, debauchery and, and, and lying and cheating and money and and, and and all of these things, and they never find themselves full. They have to continue to go back for more and more and more and more because sin always promises that which it can never deliver. The guilt of sin wearies the soul. That's why that, that's the beautiful, that, that's the beautiful thing about Psalm 51 that, that many people just fail to understand and fail to see. Many people fail to see the beauty in Psalm 51 and, and what David goes through as he moves through this progression of repentance. They fail to see the agony of David's soul. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Psalm 51, 12. Restore me to joy of my salvation. You know, some people, some people, when they become Christians, they can't, they can't forgive themselves. I've seen this in my tenure as a gospel preacher, um, ministering and preaching and conversations and counseling. Some people just can't forgive themselves. Let, let me, let me tell, let me, let me propose something. If God can forgive David. I don't know what you can do that he won't forgive you for. If you fully accept his invitation, if God can forgive David, and furthermore, who are we to not forgive ourselves when the God of heaven has forgiven us? Are we greater than God? I recall that in Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius is visited by an angel, he sends Cornelius to, from Caesarea to Joppa to find Simon Peter, who was staying at Simon the Tanner's house. About the time that the servants that 
Cornelius sent to recover Peter made it to the house. Peter was called to the roof. Peter was up on the roof um, waiting for waiting for food and he falls into a trance. He receives the image of unclean beast on a sheet descending out of heaven. And God tells Peter three times, Peter, rise, kill and eat. And he says, God, effectively to Peter, what I have called clean, you don't have a right to call unclean. Let that be a lesson to those who have obeyed the gospel and are living to the best of their ability, faithful, obedient lives to God. What God has pronounced forgiven, you don't have a right to unforgive, to not forgive. If God has pronounced you forgiven, you don't have a right to not forgive yourself. If God can forgive David, he can forgive you. Jesus desires to remove the load, the guilt, the weight, the stain of sin. That's what he wants to do. That's why he came here in the first place. That's why he came to earth. That's why he said, prepare for me a body. Jesus desires to remove the load. He wants to remove it. He opens his arms with the invitation and says, come on. It's open and free to all. You ever seen the, you ever seen the phrase, and I, and, I, and I like it. I like it a lot. It says, no, N-O, Jesus. No, N-O, peace. And then right under that or beside it, it says, no, K-N-O-W, Jesus. No, K-N-O-W, peace. I like that. In Philippians chapter four, verse seven, Paul said in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus can give us peace from that which burdens our souls. So number one, who does Jesus invite? He invites all. What does Jesus offer? He offers rest and, and relief and alleviation from the weight and the burden of sin that bears down on us so heavily. The guilt and the stain. He can remove it. He can remove it. I sit here as living proof that he can remove it. Finally, though, what does he expect? So who does he all who does he invite? What does he offer? Finally, what does he expect? Go back to the very first word in verse 28. Jesus says, Come unto me. That's what he expects. Jesus invites us to come. But those who come must understand what they are accepting when they come. Jesus was lowly and meek and humble to the extent that he drew all types of people to him. Children were extremely comfortable around him. The common people felt at home with him. He was so inviting and hospitable and humble. He drew all to himself. He said, come. 
In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Paul said, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That was the mind of Christ. One of humility, one of lowliness. He was extremely humble and inviting, but he did not mince his words when he explained what he expects. When we come to Christ, we have to truly count the cost, Luke chapter 14. Though it's easier than the yoke of sin, there is a yoke that Christ expects us to bear. It's easier and lighter than the yoke of sin, but it is a yoke nonetheless. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said that anyone that will come after him must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him daily, every day. Jesus expects our full selves, all of us, all of us. Jesus is not a 99.9 .9 God. He is 100%. It's all or nothing with Christ. And he's fair. He's fair. He lays the expectations out on the, you know, I'm reminded when God had, had I reminded when God was, was, was having a conference with Judah in Isaiah 118. And God said, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Right? When Jesus calls us to come, he calls us to the reasoning table. And he says, listen, here's what I'm laying out for you. I'm laying out rest for your souls. I'm laying out deliverance from the burden and the guilt and the stain and the weight of sin. But it will require your entire life. Now, you make the choice. Oh, he's fair. Jesus has never pulled a bait and switch. He's not in that business. God, God is not in the business of bait and switch that we see with man, man-made companies, right? Um, uh, they, they, they bait you and then they switch on you, right? Um, um, Jesus is not in that business. He has full disclosure when you come to the, to the signing table with him. This is full disclosure. I will deliver you from the guilt, the weight, the stain of sin. I can, I can give you a, 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 a peaceful soul. But I expect your entire life. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, learn of me. When we learn of Jesus, then we learn what he expects from us. Learning of him entails understanding what it means to come unto him. Many people see the invitation as, 
as just this blanket statement that Jesus made. And then he leaves it up to each individual person on how they feel like they want to come to him. But Jesus has made it abundantly clear, not only throughout the gospel accounts, but throughout the entire New Testament, what his expectations are. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And many people believe that they see Jesus' commandments only in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What about the rest of the New Testament? 1 Corinthians 14, 37, Paul said, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you, and by implication of the rest of the New Testament writers, the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That covers everything from how we treat our fellow man to how we worship God in spirit and in truth. Covers all. Second Peter, how do we learn of Christ? How do we learn of Christ? Friends, this is how we learn of Christ. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us uh, to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Jesus said, come, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly, I am. I accept all my invitation is for all. I'm meek and lowly, but I have some requirements. I require some things of you. Your entire life. You know, I've come to find, as we conclude the lesson, I've, I've come to I've come to, to find that people they want to come, they want to come to Christ. But they but they want they want the lamb and not the lion. People want to come to Christ, but they want the baby in the manger, not the king on the throne. That, that, that's what they, 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 they want to accept the invitation, but they're not, they're not willing and ready to turn their lives over to him, for him to be their king, their king of kings, their lord of lords, their judge, their God. Their savior. That they're not ready for that. They want, they want the lamb, right? The one that said nothing and let them spit on him and let them mock him, let them put a crown of thorns on his head. He let them nail spikes into his hands and feet. He let them do those things. But make no mistake about it, friends. He left as the lamb, John 1, 28 and 29, but he's coming back as the lion, Revelation 5, 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. And you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. Yeah, he, he left as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. 
Oh yeah, he was a baby in the manger. But friends, he's now the king of his kingdom. First Timothy chapter six, verse 15. Who shall show in his own time who is the potentate, the great potentate, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. The word potentate there, it means all powerful one. He's going to show the one who has all authority. And friends, make no mistake about it. Philippians chapter two, verse nine and following. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. They will. When man's foundation crumbles at the appearing of Jesus Christ, the atheist and the agnostic and the skeptic, when Jesus comes again and they face the reality of Christ Jesus and their materialistic and postmodern, their postmodern uh, philosophies and their 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 their, uh, their godless foundations crumble, friend. I don't know a person in their right mind that would choose really standing in eternity, looking at judgment. I don't know a person in their right mind that will choose hell over heaven. Friends, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Jesus expects what he expects. The lesson is yours. The all-inclusive invitation. Who does Jesus invite? All. He invites all. All those who have ever sinned. What does Jesus offer? Rest from the weary soul. Deliverance from the guilt, the stain, the burden, the wages of sin. What does Jesus expect? He expects obedience, friends. He expects faithfulness, fidelity, integrity, righteousness. That's what he expects. The lesson is yours. Are you a Christian this evening? If you're not a Christian this evening, we plead with you um, to become a Christian um, by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection on the third day, according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. By believing that gospel, excuse me, by hearing that gospel, um, Roman, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Romans 10, 17. Believing that gospel, John 8, 24. Confessing Christ as Lord and Savior, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. And then being obedient to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9. And you do that by being baptized for the remission of your sins, Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. If you are, if you are viewing this lesson, um, either live or in the archives, you can contact Eric Owens or Eric Garner or Jonathan or someone who you know. Um, who is a member of the Lord's church and they can get you in contact or they themselves can help you um, become a Christian and to help you secure your salvation um, so that when you are staring eternity in the face, you can do so with a confidence that only comes through those who have been obedient. You know, John said in first John five thirteen, he said, my little children, these things, he said, these things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. When you're standing and you're looking at eternity, you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that heaven will be your eternal abode. Friends, I certainly appreciate your undivided attention. That's the lesson was taught. May God bless you and keep you as you seek to conform your will to his.